You're listening to the Young Baptist Podcast, a show that exists to call believers to committed faithfulness to God's Word, to equip Christians by answering the tough questions that need to be asked, and to challenge churches on everything that distracts us from the beauty and glory of Christ. Now, here's your hosts, Clay Maynard and Josh Johnson. Thank you for listening to the Young Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're with us today. I'm Clay Maynard, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh Johnson. We're just a couple of guys. Uh, We're young leaders in the church. We love the church, and we're excited about gospel-centered ministry. And we try to bring a fresh perspective on issues based on God's word. What's up, Josh? How are you doing, man? Well, I feel like a complete idiot right now. (laughs) Tell them why, Josh. So to our lovely listener, as you're sitting there listening to this, You're probably like, man, I'm just so thankful that it's Monday, April 5th, and I'm listening to the Young Baptist podcast. (laughs) This is take two. Yeah. We're sitting, we're sitting here recording on Sunday, April the 28th. March the 28th. That's right. March the 28th. Thank you. We have just spent the last 20, maybe 20 minutes. That may be a little much, 10 to 15 minutes discussing our topic in the episode, just going hard at the conversation. And I happened to look over and we were not recording. And I'm telling you, friends, you guys are going to miss out on some gold nuggets. Yeah, I think we should let some of that just go into the ether, Josh. It's just between me and you. Man, this is just so... <laughs> I, I I like to be on top of things, but man, I, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Josh, you do a whole lot more for the podcast than I do on the technical side. So you're allowed, you're allowed this flub up. You're a human. Yeah, well, this is my one for the year. (laughs) (laughs) Perfectionist. So Josh, what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to continue our our study on the Baptist distinctives. Like I said just a few moments ago that nobody heard. (laughs) Uh, We really hope this has been a help to you guys. We hope that this has been informational, but also extremely practical. I hope our interviews that have been accompanying these topics have been beneficial to you. As we move forward, we're just going to keep going right on through it with the letter P being the priesthood of all believers and just really continue. What exactly does that mean as a Baptist? Yeah, Josh, I wanted to say something real quick. I just had a listener tell me today, actually, that she was very excited to hear our episodes because she's not really a theology nerd. She doesn't get into reading all kinds of material on this. And yet she was saying, I really feel like I understand more about what the Bible teaches about these things. Um, it's really helped me think through what I believe. That's, that's our heart. I hope that's true for more of you people, more of the listeners out there, because that's what we, me and Josh wanted to do. We wanted to make this a conversation for everyday Christians. Know what you believe, know what the Bible says about it, and be able to think through these issues on your own. And another thing I wanted to say, we talk a lot about being Baptists. We've kind of beat that horse for a while. Yeah. And that's okay. We are Baptists. But Chris Kelly said something last episode that I loved. And he said, I'm a Baptist, but I, that wouldn't be the first thing I used to describe myself. Right. I loved when he said that because we, we agree with that 100%. Baptist doctrine focuses on ecclesiology. It's how the church functions. That's very important. But it's not the only important thing there is. And I just think it's important for us to say, we're, the first thing we use to describe ourselves is follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're Christians. Because of that, we're part of the, bo- the body of Christ. We're part of Christ's bride, as is people who are not Baptists. Mm-hmm. And so 
while we think this stuff is important and these doctrines are important, really what we want to do is just talk about what the Bible teaches. Yeah. We feel the Baptist tradition does the best job of, historically, of being the closest to what the Bible teaches. But the goal is not to be, of a, being a Christian is not to be a Baptist. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the best Baptist that ever was. The goal is to be a faithful follower of Christ who's committed to God's word. That's, that's the mission of the podcast. One of our missions is to call believers to faithfulness to God's word. And so we're the young Baptists. We don't hide from the fact that we're Baptists. But I wanted to take a moment to say, as much as we talk about being Baptists, we're Christians first. And we fit into the body of Christ. And we're not the only one who believes in the priesthood of the believer. Right. We might pr- practice it in a sort of unique way. We might historically, Baptists might historically put a different emphasis on it or, or whatever than other faith traditions that are Christians do. Mm-hmm. But uh, the important thing is that we're talking about God's word and that regular everyday Christians, Baptist and non-Baptist, are adhering to scripture. And so I just wanted to take a moment to say, we're Baptists, but we're Christians first. And we hope that this is helpful to you. Not because the, the, the end goal is to be a better Baptist than other Baptists. The end goal is to be faithful to God's word. Amen. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate you saying that. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into our topic today of the priesthood of all believers. We're going to take a text verse, two verses, First uh, Peter chapter number two, verses five and verse nine. Verse five says, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And verse nine, the one that we're probably most familiar with when it comes to this subject, but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Article 17 of the First London Baptist Confession of 1644 says, Also, he makes his people a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through him. Neither doth the Father accept nor Christ offer to the Father any other worship or worshipers. I want to go ahead and throw this out there. I, I personally believe Christians have, have probably practiced the priesthood of all believers since the first century church. Mm-hmm. However, it from the things that I've read and researched, it would appear that Martin Luther shed a brighter light on this teaching during the Protestant Reformation of the 1500s. And then when the Baptist denomination was was born in the early 1600s, Baptist took that teaching and then ran with it. It's just fair to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. He talked about this in a very unique way at the time and gave it a lot of, like you said, a lot of shine. I feel like Baptists put a big emphasis on this, but we really owe that. The way we talk about priesthood of the believer and the priesthood of all believers is really we owe a lot to Martin Luther for this. And to be fair, like we're not really even giving what Luther said a the, a proper treatment because he said a lot of wonderful yes. things about it. Yeah, and we, I would encourage anyone listening to do a little research and read some of the things Luther said about it. All we want to acknowledge is that it's very possible that the teaching that we have today on the priesthood of all believers, we're not trying to say it's not biblical because it certainly is, but I think a lot of the influence of thought came from the things Martin Luther taught about scripture. So we just want to, we want to say essentially thank you to Martin Luther for bringing that back to the forefront. Sure. Sure. Put, put a, a proper emphasis on it. Josh, a lot of people, when they hear that we calling ourselves priest, we're all priests. They don't really know what that means, but we are. Every one of us 
Uh, in fact, Baptists believe that every believer in Jesus Christ who's been converted is a priest, is a believer priest, priest Josh. Yeah, and priest, priest Clay. <laughs> There's various ways of interpreting what the concept means, but the best way to really evaluate what the scripture means is realize that the New Testament was written to people who knew what the Old Testament priests were. Right. So we don't really use the, the title in churches today in Baptist churches, but... For now, at least, after this episode... Oh, we should. We're starting a trend. We're, <laughs> we're starting it. In fact, I'm going to change my Twitter handle, and it's going to say Josh Johnson, comma, priest. So are you saying instead of saying, hey, brother, how are you? We should just be like, hello, priest John. Let's do it. Priest Jim, it's great to see you today. I'm here for that. <laughs> Priestess Vanessa, how are you today? Priestess, wow, look at us. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we are, we're all priests. But if you look at the Old Testament, it gives you a good idea of what this means. So priests in the Old Testament held a special place in the worship of God. Priests were responsible for certain aspects of worship, like the sacrifice of animals. They served as mediators between the people and God. They served God on behalf of the people. They served the people on behalf of God. The high priest or the head priest was the only one, however, that was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies in the Jewish temple. Um, it was especially sacred of a place that was separated from the rest of the temple and from the other priests and worshipers by a great curtain or a veil. Today, when we say that each of us are priests, it means that we no longer need mediator priests to service between us and God. We do have one great high priest, that is Jesus himself, yes. who is God. And so we have access to him and through him have access to God himself. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ changed the Old Testament system. No longer was the sacrifice of animals appropriate. Uh, it wasn't needed because Christ, the Lamb of God, had given himself as a sacrifice for sin. Um, that was a once and for all act. In fact, at the crucifixion of Jesus, there was a great veil in the temple. Matthew chapter 27, you can read about this. The great veil that was in the temple, it was torn in two from the top to the bottom, indicating that Jesus, the great high priest, now mediated between God and humankind. No longer were priests of the Old Testament needed. Uh, no longer was that necessary. Uh, anyone who believe in Jesus now become priest with that direct access to God in Christ. Um, we can go directly to God in prayer. We can go in confession. We can go in praise and in worship. And that's, that's an enormous opportunity and a privilege for believers. And that's a great transition, Clay, into really how we want to break down the rest of this today. The priesthood of all believers carries two very significant points with it, that being privilege and responsibility. Privilege being, you know, we have direct access to God without the need of the, the hierarchical structure that was the Old Testament priest, that is the priest of the, the Roman Catholic Church, but also responsibility as priests to serve God and man and to be accountable to God and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are also believer priests. And I think we, we're we saying it the way we are. It's historically accurate to say the priesthood of all believers because, and I don't want to jump too far ahead of us. When you when you read 1 Peter 2, you, you see in verse number nine, he says that, he says that ye, plural, are a chosen generation. And then he goes down and he says that you're a royal priesthood singular. It's this, this, this body, this collective body of priests. It's mm. not just that you're a priest on your own. You're part of a greater, if I can say, network of believer priests. Mm. But we're going to get to that in just a little bit. 
let's start off by talking about the privilege. As you've already sort of mentioned, Clay, now because of Jesus Christ, I have direct access to God. I don't have to go mm. through a hierarchical chain to speak to God. I can go yes. boldly before the throne of grace because of Jesus. I think all of our minds are fixed on this right now, especially because yesterday we celebrated Easter with our brothers and sisters and our, our hearts have been focused back upon the yes. great work of Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's a, a really important doctrine that we call soul competence. And it, what that means is that God has given each of us the ability and the competence to know and follow God's will. You know, when you decide to become a Christian, when you, when you're, when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you respond in repentance and faith, that's an individual decision. No one can make it for you. And being a believer priest is a gift from God. It's not, it's not a human achievement. It comes with salvation, but you are responsible for your own actions. You're responsible for your own decisions. Individual believers can go directly to God mm -hmm. without the aid of an intermediary. That's an amazing fact. If you're a church member, it is very tempting to think that you need your pastor, you need some spiritual guru, you need some leader to guide you in your relationship with God. It's helpful to have people like that, but you don't require them to have access to truth. You, if you have a God's word and you have the spirit of God living inside you, you have access to God himself. You have access to the truth that God's word gives you and, and that the Holy Spirit gives you. That's, that's an amazing thing. And, yeah. and you talked about the priesthood, that that's, that's all of us together. So it's both an individual thing and it's a corporate mm -hmm. thing. That, that's a really incredible thing. We're equal to one another in Christ. There's only one high priest. The rest of us are all on one level, priest. Mm -hmm. We all have that access. That's an amazing thing. Yep. Uh, the Bible says, speaking to the work of Christ, Ephesians 2, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Hebrews 9 says, But Christ, being come in high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Uh, J.V. Fesco said, Christ has come and fulfilled the priestly role through his life, death, and resurrection. Therefore, Christ was the final priestly mediator between God and his people and Christians share in that role through him. I can now read and understand the Bible for myself with the Spirit's guidance. I can go directly to God with, uh, with prayer needs and intercession. I can confess my sins and my faults directly to mm. the Father without anyone's, anyone's need to intercede on my behalf. I, I'm directly responsible for my relationship with God. Yeah, Jesus alone no one else. is enough to intercede for you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Martin Luther, he said this, Christ has made it possible for us to be not only his brethren, co-heirs, and fellow kings, but also his fellow priests. Therefore, we may boldly come into the presence of God in the spirit of faith and pray for one another and do all things which we see done and foreshadowed in the outer and visible works of the priest. So really just emphasizing again, this is a privilege that we have to be able to come before God on our own individually without anyone being our go-between, being our, our mediator. 
And I like what E.Y. Mullen said in, in the book, The Axioms of Religion. And I, this, is, this is to that idea of having that human, human go-between. He says this, he says, when every church interposes between the child and the father, through sacrament, through human priesthood or hierarchy, through centralized government, through authoritative oligarchies of any kind in spiritual affairs, get this, it ceases to conform to the kingdom of God and mm. becomes a juvenile court or orphanage instead. Ouch. That's big. E.Y. Woolen's bringing the heat. To, and I like what he says. It becomes a juvenile court or orphanage instead. In that when we choose, and I don't think we would choose this as Baptists, but when, when we choose to say that there has to be a man intercede on our behalf between us and God, we are making ourselves, in a way, spiritual orphans from our Father. Mm. And, and we have to kind of be careful about this because some, some, some of us have been taught, you know, your dad in your house, your dad is the, the priest before you and God. And he is the one in, in charge of all that. Or in your church, your pastor is that guy. Josh, my friend, you can go to God yourself. Josh, are you referring to that umbrella graphic? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee right here. I, I mean, uh, thank you, Matthew Lyons, for bringing this to my attention again. But it's true, you know, <laughs> it's true, you know, you have direct access to the Father. And you're absolutely right. Anybody who's a believer in Jesus has access. And, and there is a lot of weird things that we come up with as people when we're not thinking about this. Well, let me, let me just run with this when for we're a not second. Con- when we're not conforming our functional practices to establish New Testament doctrine, we've been, you know, you were quoting, you were talking about Martin Luther earlier. He was just quoting the New Testament. It wasn't a new doctrine with Martin Luther. He's shown that light on it. We give yeah. him credit for that. But he was speaking what the Bible teaches. This is what the New Testament teaches. And so we can get away from stuff and then start coming up with, things that sound good, mm-hmm. but they're not biblical. Well, and, and let's, let's just run with this for a second, okay? Okay. Before we get into the responsibility, like let's just emphasize the individual privilege that we have to go before God. If we actually practice this idea that, let's take the home for instance. In the home, you have father, mother, children, and dad is like the priest of the home. Why would anyone be shocked when children grow up in that environment and decide that the faith is not important to them because they had to go through dad to get the faith and that dad is the high priest in the home? And, and, but we sit around and we're like, where, is, where are all the kids going? Why are they leaving the house? Mm, he's, they, never, he's never they've connected. Never, they've never realized that they have a direct access to God themselves if they're a born-again Christian. They've never been encouraged to go to the high priest directly. I mean, themselves. It's their, it's their spiritual food. It's their spiritual life. They should, it's okay for them to hold the fork. They need to be searching the scripture. They need to be growing closer to Christ themselves. It's not enough to just, just to eat and consume what dad is handing down. And this happens in churches with pastors too. Well, that's what I was it's, about it's to say. It's probably more accurate to say that dad is the pastor of the home. That's probably a better a better picture. If you wanted to pick one, I think father probably is fine. We could just stick with what yeah. it is. But if you look at, at God as a father, that's a much better thing to try to put together. That's a much better picture 
to use. Use God as a father and mimic him to your children. But when you start introducing these other types, like you're saying, the priest, it causes problems. Think about what happens if, you, if you're taught that the father is the priest of the home and then a kid decides to stay in church and goes out from their parents' house into a church. Well, then what they're going to do is they're going to assign that priestly role to somebody that they can see. And mm. then their pastor becomes their priest. That's dangerous. And then we have this man of God mentality. Yeah. And, then, and what we've done is we've built these pedestals for, for flawed human beings who are equally as much of a priest to God as you are. And they get this high level of authority over our lives because, oh, they go to God on my behalf. And, and you've heard good preachers, as I have, feel that pressure and tear it down, see it on the spot and say, hey, you can go to God just like you don't need me. I've heard preachers say things both from the pulpit and privately say, you don't need, you were talking about children just a second ago, how damaging it can be for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just say a woman uh, is in a church and she's in an abusive situation. How many times have I, I know I've heard of examples of people, and I'm, every case is different. I'm not trying to prescribe any or give any advice over here, over the podcast waves. I'm not trying to do that. What I am saying is I know women who believe, hey, this is what my husband is saying. And because they have that flawed man is the priest of the home, for the whole home, I get my, my information from God through him. They have this flawed view that I can't say anything. And it doesn't matter how gross of sin and error this man is in. They can't go to, they can't seek resources. They can't seek help. They can't speak the truth to him because he's in charge. He's the priest of the home. That is, that is an unbiblical idea mm. that, they, that you have to be just because you're in a home where, uh, where the man, we know the man is the head of the home. That's what scripture teaches. But it does not say that he is the arbiter of truth. And it doesn't teach unequivocal subservience in the face of sin. Mm-hmm. It doesn't teach. That's not what scripture teaches. And you're a priest. You can find the truth in God's word. And it is your responsible to your, your responsibility to obey God's word. And you are connected. The point that I was trying to make, and I hope I, this is a big can of worms. Maybe I shouldn't even open it. But I think the point, the point I was trying to make is, Josh, you are, like you said, you just said it. You're responsible as a priest, but it also means you're connected to the priesthood. Yeah, which leads us to the You're the connected next part, to the priesthood. Yeah. How do you, I've had people ask me, how do I hold my husband accountable for very terrible things going on in my life? I've had women, you, you've heard this, women in churches ask this question of their leaders. Hey, stay connected to the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Stay connected to your church. You are connected. You're, it's not your husband representing your family to the church as, a, as the sole priest of your home. No, it is all of you. All of you should be plugged in. All of you should be connected. That's what keeps us accountable. That's what keeps us healthy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, well, we went there. And then you have, so first privilege that you have direct access to God, prayer, um, confession, worship, etc. But then there's the other part of being a believer priest, which would be the responsibility that comes along with that. Yeah, Josh, there's responsibilities specifically outlined in scripture for believers and this that are directly connected to your priesthood. One of them is in the text verse, which was 1 Peter 2, 5. 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. And it says it right there. That 
an obvious responsibility that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know what that, I looked that up. I'm glad you brought that up. To show forth means to declare abroad. Mm. So this isn't just the idea of corporately. This no. is a, this is a corporate declaring abroad to like the nations mm. of the fact that you have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Yeah, to be rescued from your sin by the grace and mercy of God means that you as a priest have a responsibility to declare it. Every priest. So the reason that's important then to talk about why all of us are priests, it doesn't it means that you can't go to church if if the man is not just the priest for the whole home, the whole home, then I can't as a member of a family just say, "Oh, he does it." Mm-hmm. No, it's my responsibility to be a part of the gospel ministry. It is my responsibility to be speaking the good news of the gospel to people. Well, and true, however, I can truly practicing the priesthood of the believer destroys consumerism in the mm. church. It would just just completely destroy it because yeah. you don't come and just sit. You are coming to do your work as a priest. Yeah, you co- think about that for just a moment. Come to church ready to fulfill your priestly duties. Mm-hmm. That, that's a responsibility. Even like if we take out all of the extra stuff that church usually has these days, like programs, all that stuff, just take the church service itself. I'm going to get on to something that kind of gets me going, okay? I hate it. I hate it. Okay, that's a strong word, I guess. But I hate looking around during a song service and seeing people not sing because you are there. See, I'm a worship leader, Josh. You're speaking my language right now. You are there. <laughs> that's part of your duty yes. as a priest is to bring sacrifices of praise. Yeah, you, you, you touched on worshiping as a privilege, but it's also a responsibility. Yeah. Hebrews 13 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I quote that from memory because I've thought of that verse many, many times and read it many, many times because you're right. You don't have to sing well. You don't have to lead. You don't have to sing solos. But when you're in church and your congregation is singing and worshiping God together corporately, that is your opportunity. They're giving you that. That's a way corporately where you're giving, getting that opportunity to offer your sacrifice of praise. Now, it shouldn't just be happening on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We talk about church services. We're the church no matter where we are. Right. So worship is something that should be happening. It's one of our rights. It's one of our privileges, but it's also our responsibility to worship God throughout the week in song, in prayer, in devotion, in confession, in repentance, that daily devotion, you are the church, you are a priest, it is your responsibility to bring your offering. Can I just step outside of the theology or the ecclesiology for just a moment and say, man, have you ever been in a church service where everybody's engaged in the singing? Mm. It changes the vibe. It changes the whole feel of the place. David says that when he enters God's presence, he says he comes into his presence with singing and into his courts with praise. I believe when you are singing in worship to God from your heart, it invites the presence of God mm. into, the, into our midst. It, it is a vital part of a church service. And my encouragement is if you're a part of any church, get engaged in that service. Come in ready to put distractions aside and to say, I'm a priest this morning. You're always a priest, but, but, but get your mind right when you're going into a service to a public gathering of your, of your church because you, what you're saying is, I am here I'm here to do my duty. I'm here to take part of the privilege that I have to worship God. Well, and if we're called as believers to 
show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is not limited just to the, 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 the mission outreach. We're supposed to declare those things to one another. Yes. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual yes. songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And I think I just combined like two verses right there. That's fine. But you know what I'm saying? That, uh, it's all Colossians, <laughs> Colossians 3.16 is where I'm trying to go. Yeah. You're doing this to yourselves, to the church, yeah. to one another, declaring the praises of the Lord together. Yeah. This is what we do as believer priests. Yeah, the, the proclamation of the truth, especially if there's lost people here, it's beneficial. But even when it's not, we're reminding each other of the truth. That's, that's part of our ministry as priests. It's really cool when you think about it. It's an awesome privilege, but it, it, it means you're not going, I'm not coming to church looking up to the pastor or to the worship leader or to whoever's up there, or the music minister, whatever you call him at your church and saying, he's offering our sacrifice of praise. No, 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 you're doing it. And so, or you're not doing it. And so I encourage you to do it. And so that's, that's one of them. Uh, we talked about gospel proclamation. We talked about show forth the praises. We talked about worship prayer and Bible study, there's uh, meditation. One of the responsibilities of the priesthood is to watch over the temple of the New Testament. The watch over the gathering of the believers that because it's a when the church gathers, Christ specially dwells there. There's a unique presence. You have the presence of God with you privately. The Holy Spirit indwells you. And that's such an important thing. Think, think for a moment, if you will, maybe close your eyes, not if you're driving, <laughs> but, but maybe close your eyes if you can for a moment and imagine yourself standing outside the temple. Imagine bringing your, your sacrifice, dropping it off, and you just sit there in the heat of the day. And there goes your sacrifice. There you see the priest is. He looks like a butcher. He's just killing animals all day. He begins to sacrifice for you. And then all of a sudden it disappears. And that's the end. You've offered your sacrifice. And just to stand outside knowing that that's not something you can partake in. That's not something you're a part of. You've done your duty, now go home and obey the law. You come into church and I'm telling you that veil is rent in twain. Yeah. You have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. You're offering your sacrifice directly to God and you're not killing anything because the sacrifice has already been made. When you think about it that way, or even if you're not at church, you're at home, you're opening your Bible to read God's word. You're praying and interceding for your brothers and sisters. You're praying for the lost people that you know. You're During the week when you're giving the gospel, you're a priest and you're doing it yourself. That's an amazing thing. One of the big responsibilities we have is to watch over the church, the temple of the New Testament. Um, and there's a unique presence that comes when people are gathered together. Every member of, the, of, the, of Christ church is responsible to keep the holy separated from the unholy in the church. I'm quoting here from Jonathan Lehman, uh, wrote a great article on priesthood. It's 23 pages. Most people probably won't want to read that, but for us nerds, <laughs> right. um, Paul treats every believer as a priest king. And in one of the things he instructs them in his 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17, and that says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord hath Christ with Belial or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, with an unbeliever in Christ. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. It is a, reference in that passage to the, the church's priestly duty to keep watch over who belongs to the church and who doesn't. And so what you're doing is you're distinguishing believers who are disciples of Christ from p 
people who believe false doctrine, people who believe heresy, or people who are lost. You're protecting, you're protecting the sanctuary. Not that you won't allow those people in, but you're distinguishing between those people. We're, we make a distinction when we're in church, whether, whether or not there are people who are disciples of Christ and there are people who are there who are, we're trying to reach. Uh, one implication is that Christians are also responsible and able to affirm what counts as sound doctrine. Uh, the apostle John tells us to test the spirits, um, to, to try the spirits, whether they be of God. And so we, and how do we do that? By finding out whether if that spirit confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. That's first John chapter four. Um, so that's something that all priests are responsible for. You should be listening, according to Galatians 1, for false doctrine in your church. That's a priestly duty. Um, you don't need to go to seminary to discern between good and bad teaching. You don't need to be ordained. The Spirit of God and the Scripture, the scripture is the training that every Christian needs to do this. Um, and so you do have to study God's Word to do that if you're going to really do it. So I'm not saying you all have to be Bible students. You don't have to know as much as your pastor. But what you should be doing is trying to grow in it. Grow in your understanding and knowledge of Scripture and allow God's word and the spirit of God within you to bear witness to what you're reading and lead you and guide you. And what you'll find is when you hear things, either it will bear truth, it'll ring true because the Holy Spirit is within you, or it rings not true. Mm -hmm. I've had that happen. You hear something and you're like, that ain't it. I need to go back to the scripture because I don't know why that ain't it, but something sounds off about that. Quick story, Josh. I actually was listening to a Baptist brider which I'm not a Baptist, we're not Baptist briders. Yeah. Mm -mm. Uh, for those of you listening, Baptist briders believe that only Baptists are part of the bride of Christ. Mm. It's mm. not true. It's not biblical. But I heard a preacher saying something and it was off. And I was thinking, I remember, I would remember even remember my dad saying, something's weird about what he's saying. My dad was picking up weird red flags. And we went home and he, my dad was torn up about it. And I remember thinking, that's not right. Something's not right about what he was saying. And, he, and we ended up finding out the guy was a Baptist brighter. And so he, wouldn't, he doesn't get up in Baptist churches and say, I'm a Baptist brighter. <laughs> he doesn't say that. Right. How did we figure that out? We figured it out by listening to what he was saying and trying the spirits, testing everything we're hearing by God's word. That's a duty of priests. These are more noble than those in Thessalonica. The Bereans, yeah, yeah they study God's word for themselves. Yeah. They knew it and they were well-versed enough that when they heard something, they went, let me go back and check that mm -hmm. out. And what you might find is there's things you've not heard that are scriptural. And when you hear them, you're going to go, hmm, let me check that out. And you go check it out and you're going to go, yeah, that's true. That's what the Bible teaches. I mean, that's what Paul was telling the Galatians to do. Exactly. The first, of, first chapter of Galatians, he was basically like, if it's me or if it's even an angel from heaven, if it ain't right, that person, let them be accursed. Yeah, kick them out. Yeah. Kick them out. So for all of these reasons, Baptist, one of the reasons we, we're going to get to save church membership in the future, but this is one of the reasons we consistently have affirmed regenerate church membership. You have to be a believer in Jesus Christ and you have to, you have to be a priest. The reason we believe this is because it's our responsibility to do all these things, which is why infants can't enter into this agreement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and Baptists have, and this is also a reason why we consistently affirm congregationalism. We believe the whole congregation should be involved in what the scripture teaches they should. And this is why church members should know what priesthood means because it means they have this responsibility. And it, and it you mentioned it before, it really drives away apathy. Mm -hmm. It drives away this level of inactivity and just boredom in church. We don't really have that option. If you're responsible for these things, that's really not an option for you. You know, some churches actually ask their people to look at 
commitments, like a statement of commitment when you become a member. You don't have to do that, but I understand why they do that because they want to know, hey, do you understand the responsibilities involved here? And, and so there are, th- there are big decisions churches have to make, like affirming elders, right? Accepting new members, practicing church discipline. The whole congregation is supposed to participate in excommunication. How can you do that if you're not, if you're, if you're not studied, if you're not saying, man, I'm a priest, I, we're all accountable for this. Josh, you have anything to add? Well, to and it, it adds a new level to the, the topic of church membership. And I, you're kind of hinting at this. It changes how you view becoming a member of a church to where it's not simply, it's not simply entering into another club that has its perks and that if you do the right things, you know, you'll get certain kickbacks. I mean, this isn't the Starbucks gold card where for every dollar you spend, you get two stars towards a free drink. You know, you're not, you don't come to church and punch in your gold card and think, well, if I give enough time and I'm a member here, so, well, then I've earned X, Y, Z rights and responsibilities, you know, rights and privileges because I come to this church. Right. So this is my pew because I gave this many dollars and this is my stuff. And it's the same. That's not how that works with church membership. Josh, it's the same word. We use the word member for so many things nowadays. So it's like, yeah, I'm the member of this club and it gets me these benefits. Yeah. In this membership, there are rights and there are privileges and responsibilities. And it's not just your $39 monthly fee. And there's no (laughs) doubt that there are, you know, privileges and benefits. Sure. Of being a member of a church. Of course. But that's not the driving emphasis behind becoming a member of a church. You are there to exercise your priesthood in the church. Which leads you to wonder, what is the gathering of the church really about anyways? Is the gathering primarily about evangelizing the lost or edifying the saints? Primarily? Scripturally, I would say it's about edifying the saints and equipping the saints. And I think we've just completely missed that. Yeah. No, and, and, and the lost are welcomed into the sanctuary, welcomed into the meetings of the church. I mean, we hope they do come because that's a great opportunity for them to see the gospel on display, to hear the gospel being preached, saying all of that. But no, the, the primary... Think about what happens. But the primary... But you can't function... You can't reorient your church around being about lost people when you meet. Of course, the mission of the church is to reach the lost, mm-hmm. among other things. Right. But the meetings of the church, scripturally, are primarily about the edification and building up of saints. If you shift your focus to strictly evangelizing people in the service, what's going to happen is you're putting the emphasis on the stage. Mm. And so there's no responsibility of any other priest to get involved. No, the church can become very easily in that way, a content production company Mm -hmm. and not an interactive body because you've, you've created this attractional church model where people come in, where people are drawn in and they are, they're drawn into it. But there's no expectation in a congregation that's, that's disproportionately people who aren't, don't have no understanding of priesthood. But what's going to change somebody's life, and I understand that a lost person, it's the gospel, and I, I'm not trying to belittle that. But what's going to be more compelling to that lost person? Coming in to a sh- service that is top-tier production or coming in and seeing, I don't know what's going on here. Mm. But these people are all in on this thing. What does the New Testament say? 
that they could say that God is in that place. Mm-hmm. I don't think they they know that, Josh, because our band just killed it. Mm. <laughs> I don't mind if you have a great band. I hope your your band is top notch. I hope so. But that is not what changes hearts. That is not what people come in and say, man, the gospel is so beautiful because of that. They see the gospel being beautiful when they see a priesthood. And God uses those ministering things. to one another. He uses those things. Of course he does. But when he when you come into a church and you see these these people that are living the gospel like to one another, like the gospel is just sunk so deep into their souls that they realize I'm not here just for me. I'm here for my brothers and sisters. Outsiders, unbelievers are going to be like, this ain't like that church down the street. Yes. It's not about how good or bad your music production is. It's just that that's not the thing that's different. I've, I've gone to concerts. I've gone to Christian concerts, Josh, and they're a lot of fun. That's not a church service. Hmm. It's not. There's no claim that, we, that we're verifying that the people here understand they're a priesthood. They don't have rights and responsibilities in that concert. You're paying for a ticket. You're there for a show. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not a church service. It's not a meeting of the gathered church. And if your church service is structured more like that attractional thing, you'll be tempted to make it more concert-like. And so they come in and they got what they got for the price of admission, but that's not different. Mm-hmm. That's, you can get that anywhere. That's not unique. What's unique about a priesthood is coming in, and I've been in a lot of in a lot of song service, both as participant and as a leader. And there's a difference. It's not about how good or bad the the song the the the, the production is, because I've had bad production, I've had good production, I've had everything in between. In good and bad, I've had engaged congregations and unengaged congregations. Can I tell you what's always amazing? Engaged congregations, mm-hmm. poor production. Give me an engaged congregation every time, because that you the presence of God is so real in that the priesthood that is so strong in that. And when a, when a new person comes in, that's a beautiful thing. That's different. That's unique. That's special. Well, and a church that's really living out the priesthood of all believers, where people are seeing that this is a holy responsibility that they have as a believer priest to one another, that will rattle a community. Because yes. they, they'll, they'll, how they'll show forth the praises of him that called them out of darkness into this marvelous light by reaching out into their community, not on an individual basis, not on a, let's have the the pastor and the staff handle it, but as a body reaching out into the community. Yes. I've never, until like studying all this, I've never really saw how significant the priesthood of all believers genuinely is mm-hmm. in the function of a body. And if you, and if you look, at, look at the fight Martin Luther was having and, mm-hmm. and you can see how abusive that environment is where you've got this separation between the laity and the clergy in, in worship and in access to God and in, and in rights and duties and responsibilities. It's very clear when you see those, that environment and those abuses. And you can see why, why when Martin Luther is drawing that distinction, it's obvious. That's, obviously, that's the extreme example. Yeah. But we can all fall into this just through apathy, through getting complacent. We can all fall into this. <laughs> I like how Jeremy Kraft said it. He said, historically, Baptists have supported this teaching because they understood it to establish the proper relationship with God and with each other. All matters of church life should be areas of concern for every believer, for all our priests held equally responsible in God's eyes. That's good stuff. I'd throw out one caveat here. Yes, the church is made of priests to God, and so we all need to be participants. This does not diminish the need for pastors and teachers, though. 
No, not at all. They are gifts to the body. They, they are not greater than the rest of the body. They are still part of the body. So they, you know, they have the need for the ministry of the body. But like I said, they are not elevated. Right. But the good, greater the, than the body. The really good elders, pastors, leaders are, are the hardest job they have actually. And the good ones know how hard this is to call people into priesthood. Mm-hmm. You're constantly saying, get engaged, get involved. This thing goes or doesn't go based on an engaged congregation, an engaged body of believers. Get involved. Get involved in the ministry of the church. I w- want to close up this, this idea, these, this section on responsibilities uh, with a quote from the same uh, Jonathan Lehman paper that I referenced earlier called Priesthood of Believers. He says this, Baptist, Presbyterians, and Anglicans build different ecclesiologies, which ecclesiology is the study of the church, not merely because they, def- they, they favor different New Testament ecclesiology proof texts. They also apprehend the demands of the whole Bible's royal priesthood storyline differently. Therefore, the Baptist, the Presbyterian, and the Anglican look down at the same priestly, kingly job description in the New Testament proof text, like 1 Peter 2.9. But only the Baptist says, looks like we should build a congregational believers-only church. Mm. The Baptist perspective on the priesthood of believers, in other words, resounds in the claim that there is a match, a suitedness, an alignment between a Protestant understanding of the priesthood and Baptist ecclesiology. One feeds the other. Um, and so there's multiple theologians that have, that have echoed similar sentiments. Uh, and I thought Jonathan Lehman did a good job articulating that there. So man, what an important topic. We're priests, Josh. We have rights. We have privileges. I wouldn't have it any other way. But man, there's responsibilities that go with that. Yeah, it's not something to take lightly. Josh, I thought this was going to be a really easy, yeah, low-key episode. Yeah, we sat down episode. and we were like, this will take 30 minutes at the most. <laughs> and we're just over 50, <laughs> according to our timer. Yeah, you'll probably edit a lot of that, all of this out and the episode might not be quite as long. But the truth is, it, it's every time you get into these, these discussions, the ramifications are big, you know? And we do a good, try to do a good job of keeping it as concise and as possible. And at the same time, giving it a good treatment. We want to talk about the things that matter. Now, before we close today, I just want to let everyone know that your co-host today, we did something completely accidental, but it's absolutely hilarious. When Clay walked in to start recording, I looked up and Clay and I are matching like to a T. <laughs> it is <laughs> like weird. So down, down to even our Apple watch. We're wearing the same shirt. The gospel changes everything. The blue color. Go buy one so you can match us. Gray shorts and our shoes. They're both gray, different shades of gray. But Josh, we should take a picture. We should take a picture of this. It was unplanned. We're both wearing the exact same shirt, the same color shorts, and not too far off shoes. We're gonna. I'm gonna take a picture of this the day that this episode airs. I'm gonna post it. I know we just sound like nerds, but it is funny. Yeah, you Um, guys can laugh at us. And by the way, this shirt. Random plug. Go to the youngbaptistpodcast.com. Click on the button store. You got it. You can get them in blue, black, and red uh, in most sizes. It says the Young Baptist Podcast on the back. It says the gospel changes everything on the front. So while you're repping the Young Baptist Podcast, you got a great conversation starter on the front. And if you look at it, it's got the cross on the front as well. It's a really cool shirt and it's super comfortable. It's a nice t-shirt. And let's get your feedback, okay? On today's post, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for this episode, drop in the comments what you think our next piece of merchandise should be. We've toyed with the idea of like a coffee mug. My uncle, the gentleman who designed our t-shirt and our logo, 
he says we need to come up with a t-shirt that says there it is on it. Uh, <laughs> if you have a recommendation for our next piece of merch, put it in the comments and we will like, let's just pick one of them that we like the best and let's just do it. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys let us know what you think. Uh, if you don't already follow us on social media, we have a Facebook page, The Young Baptist Podcast. On Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at the handle at Young Baptist Pod, at Young Baptist Pod, Instagram and Twitter, and The Young Baptist Podcast on Facebook. Go check us out there if you're not already following us. And while you're there, let us know what should be our next piece of merchandise. And if, you, great idea. if you have questions or comments, suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. We do have a website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com. And then we have our, our like separate little email, theyoungbaptistpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to, you can get on our website and fill out our contact form. We appreciate those who've already written in. We've had a number of those. Yes, even those of you who are out there that are bots that have filled out those, those forms and sent us <laughs> ridiculous emails. Thank you for that. But <laughs> seriously, though, if you have questions or comments or just want to get in touch with us, send us an email. We'd love to, we'd love to chat with you. Yeah, I have responded to a lot of uh, direct messages and things like that. It might take us a few days to get back to you, but I promise we will do our best and get back to you as soon as possible. We love to hear back from the listeners even if you just think we missed something or you think there's another perspective on it, we might follow up on it and address it in a, in a later episode. So send us an email. Tell us what you're interested in that we're talking about, what you're interested in that we're not talking about uh, as it relates to uh, the kind of topics we cover. And I'm looking forward to, you know, Josh, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, the, the Bible and what it says. We've not talked a lot about our personal opinions. We'll get, we'll get a little more into that. And we've got some cool ideas yeah. actually to get some more, uh, let's call it audience engagement. Um, so look forward to that. We've got some, uh, some fun stuff coming up, but, uh, in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you and I'm glad you joined us today. Absolutely. Well, Clay, what do you think, man? I think I'm going to have a priestly cup of coffee, <laughs> a second cup of priestly coffee. <laughs> well, there it is. There it is. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Young Baptist Pod. And check out our website at theyoungbaptistpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a review wherever you consume the content. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time on the Young Baptist Podcast. Podcast.